Hey there, I'm Brittany, and welcome to the Cape Cod Church Podcast. If you'd like to learn more about us, you can visit our website at capecodchurch.com. In the meantime, we hope you enjoy this message in our current series. We started out with a team of 17. Uh, most important job of a trip leader, we came home with a team of 17. That was, yep, that was the best part. Um, but uh, as I've told many of you already this morning, uh, probably uh, one of the better teams that we've gone with. No drama. Everybody pulled their weight and then some. It was fantastic. Uh, we started out, we did a, a kids camp for about 350 kids at the school there in Arusha. Um, and, and it was sort of a VBS type of thing where we did crafts and games and, and songs and, and stories. And then on Monday morning, uh, we got on a, a bus and we headed out to uh, the previously named uh, M2 Wambu. Uh, which in Swahili means river of mosquitoes, and uh, it was dry. It was kind of actually nice, but uh, uh, we we, uh, did a three-day medical clinic there free for anyone who needed medical care in that village. Uh, 727 people, it turned out, needed medical care in that village in three days, and it was phenomenal. It was seamless. uh, probably the best part is they offered counseling to anyone who was interested, and 240 people uh, heard uh, the gospel, heard a, had a gospel conversation. Yep, it gets better. Of those 51 people, 51 people who may or may not have heard the name Jesus before made a decision to surrender their lives to trust and follow Jesus Christ. Um, uh, the rest of us, as you saw from the pictures, while, uh, while the medical team was living, living well over in the medical world, uh, we were sanding, painting, uh, or sanding, prepping, and painting a classroom that, uh, or a group of classrooms in the public school that hadn't been touched in 30 years easily. Um, don't, don't ask. That, that stuff, dust on my face uh, was hopefully mostly paint. Uh, but uh, phenomenal, phenomenal trip. We wrapped it up with uh, some downtime and looked at a bunch of animals. Um, it was all about what this month is all about. It was all about going and telling, going and showing the love of Jesus to folks who we, we didn't know. Uh, but we are grateful that we had that opportunity to do so um, because we are just grateful people. And that's what Be Full is all about. Uh, the, the mission organization that we worked with while we were over there is called New Hope Initiative. They're one of our primary partners in missions. Uh, uh, about less than 15 years ago, uh, Sandy and Karen Baird uh, were inspired in a, a slum of Nairobi called Kibera uh, to do something. Um, they were inspired by their gratefulness and their love to do something for a bunch of kids there who, uh, who didn't have much hope. And in that time, they've built a ministry through God. God has built a ministry through them um, that now uh, runs a school for over 400 where the kids get fed uh, twice a day. Um, Also uh, runs a ministry in Arusha, Tanzania that we served with and one in India and one in Sierra Leone and a school in Nicaragua. Um, Phenomenal work that God is blessing again in less than 15 years through the vision of a couple, Sandy and Karen Baird. Um, it's our honor this morning to have them with us. You may have met Karen out at the uh, Biashara Ladies uh, Sales Table. I, ho- I urge you to visit that afterwards. Uh, but this morning, it's our honor to uh, hear from the founder of New Hope Initiative, um, Sandy Baird, a good friend of Cape Cod Church for a long time. And I hope you'll uh, join me in welcoming Sandy Baird. 
go. All right, never let, let me in charge of the buttons, all right? That's a dangerous thing. But it's so great to be here. Uh, Pastor Ben and I were uh, reminiscing a little last night, and I think the first time we came here, my wife Karen and I, we came about 20 years ago to Cape Cod Church, back in your old location, and uh, God has uh, used this partnership. We are so thankful that we have been partners together. And like uh, Brittany was talking about, we're one of those stories to share of what God has done because we have linked together our organization and Cape Cod Church. And I'm excited to share that with you today. I'm just going to take a few minutes uh, to share a couple of scriptures and then to tell some stories about the work that Cape Cod Church is doing around the world through New Hope Initiative. Have you ever thought about how definitive some of those moments of life can be? You know, some of those pivotal moments in your life, how definitive they were. Uh, back on, and one of them in my life, back when we were in college, uh, my wife and I started dating pretty quick when we were going to Bible college the first semester of our first year, and we dated kind of seriously. And then inexplicably, she decided that she wanted to date other people. It's a shock, isn't it? I couldn't believe it. I mean, I'm as shocked. I was as shocked as you are. I mean, she decided that, you know, God was wanting her to, to, to see what was out there in the world. And so she began to date other people, and she got that dreaded back-home boyfriend. So she, she got a boyfriend back home, and, and man, it was... So, you know, this drug on for a while, and finally she kind of wised up and got rid of that guy. But I didn't know what to do. And so we were taking a mission class together and a cross-cultural ministry class together. And so I came up with this incredibly lame idea. I told her, listen, we have a test coming up. Let's make a bet. And the one that loses the bet has to take the other one out to dinner. I know that's incredibly lame, isn't it? I mean, a big loser, right? I mean, I, but I, I was desperate. I couldn't think of anything else. And so... Um, we made the bet, and I didn't try very hard on that test at all, by the way, so I wanted to make sure I lost, and so I lost, and we went out to dinner, and the rest, as they say, is history, and I often think about that transformative moment in my life, how different life might have been if I hadn't have made that decision, and folks, there are some moments in the Scripture just like that. I mean, absolutely pivotal moments in Scripture. I'm going to read a couple of verses from Mark chapter 8 this morning. And, and at first glance, these don't seem that transformative. Mark chapter 8 and verse number 27 says, Jesus and his disciples left Galilee and went up to the villages near Caesarea Philippi. You say, Pastor, that, that doesn't seem very, you know, that doesn't seem very transformative at first glance. But folks, can I tell you that prior to this, the ministry of Jesus has been all about authenticating his deity. It's all been all about the miracles and the power. It's been all about showing who he was and what he came to do. And so at this moment, Mark chapter 8 is one of those defining passages in the Scripture because it is this point that Jesus' ministry changed from uh, showing his power, it changed to working with his disciples. It changed at this moment. All right, from telling people who he was to preparing people for what he came to do. This is one of the pivotal moments in the scripture. And the next part of verse 27 says this, as they were walking along, he asked them, who do people say that I am? Jesus began this very important moment by probing the disciples with a question. 
Have you ever had somebody ask you a really important question that got your attention? A couple years ago, I'm going to define that very narrowly. A couple years ago, on my 60th birthday, actually on my 60th birthday, I decided I would go out and kind of be healthy, you know? So I, I, I wanted to show that I was young and, and still strong. And so I went out for a long hike in, in Austin, Texas that day. And I, I mean, I like two or three hours. I went out for a long time. I was feeling really good about myself, you know? And so I was out walking and, and I sat I had a, a text message I needed to answer, so I sat down on a curb and was answering this message. I saw this truck drive around with a young guy in it. I'm still in it. Same truck comes back around. The guy leans his head out the window and says, hey, buddy, if you need help getting home, I can take you. <laughs> crushed, absolutely crushed by that question. But folks, can I tell you, this was the kind of probing question that Jesus was asking. He wanted to get the disciples think. So he said, who do people say that I am? And then in Mark chapter 8, 28, well, they replied, some say John the Baptist, some say Elijah, and others say you are one of the prophets. I like the way that Peter started this answer. He said, well, I think he was thinking, now, what does Jesus want me to say here, right? What, what's the correct answer? What, what do I need to, to really uh, talk about here in this answer? And then in the next verse, Jesus asked the question of all questions. And that's why this becomes such a transformative, pivotal moment in the Gospels, because it is at this moment Jesus asked this question in Mark 8, 29. Then Jesus said, who do you say I am? And folks, if you wanted to, you could cut the Gospels right here into two halves, because this began the second half of Christ's ministry. This began his journey to the cross. This began his ultimate process to bring redemption to mankind. And this is a question that every single human being ultimately must ask themselves. It's not enough to say, well, I'm a, I go to a Christian church. My parents were Christians. You know, I, I, no, listen, that's not what we're talking about here. Who do you say Jesus is? That's an incredibly important thought. Look at this quote from a theologian. He said this, all right? He said, this question is a watershed event in the Gospel of Mark. The miracle stories that are the power, authority, and deity of Jesus cease from this point. From this point on, the emphasis is the crucif crucifixion. Mark's Gospel changes from a focus on who he is to the, his great redemptive act, what he came to do. All right? And so this becomes that pivotal moment in the Gospels. And Peter's answer to this probing question of Jesus was very powerful. Peter replied, you are the Messiah. You are the Messiah. In a companion verse in Matthew chapter 16, Peter answered, you are the Messiah, the Son of the living God. And church, can I tell you this morning that this moment... In scripture is so transformative and so powerful. And in, the, in just two verses later, Jesus shared this, this definitive statement about the gospel. I want us to see one more verse from Mark. Mark 8, 31 says, Then Jesus began to tell them that the Son of Man must suffer many terrible things and be rejected by the elders and the leading priests and the teachers of religious law. He would be killed, but three days later, he would rise from the dead. I like that first phrase. Then Jesus began to tell them the Son of Man must suffer 
many things. Folks, this was the plan of God for the redemption of the souls of men and women for all of the ages. This was God's purpose for Jesus coming to this world. This was the definitive, transformative moment in the gospel. And you might say this morning, Pastor Sandy, you know, this is a great story about the gospel, but what does this have to do with our Mission Sunday, right? We've been talking this month about missions. And what does this have to do about missions? Because sometimes we think of missions as giving and going and, and the stories that we've heard. But folks, can I tell you, listen, the gospel becomes the foundation for our giving and our going, right? There's a reason we give and there's a reason we go. And that reason is because Jesus came to be the savior of the world. There's a companion passage that is equally transformative and equally pivot, pivotal in, in the scriptures, and that's in Acts chapter one. So I wanna tie these two scriptures together very quickly for us this morning because I want us to see, all right, from the, from the statement of Christ of who he is and the declaration of Peter that Jesus was the Messiah, we're gonna move forward just, just a few weeks to Acts chapter one and verse number eight. And can I set this up for you just a moment? In Acts chapter one, Jesus had gone to the cross. He had been crucified. He had died. He had been buried. And then he had risen again. Jesus rose from the dead. And Acts chapter one is the moment that he is about to return to heaven. And so again, it becomes a very pivotal moment, doesn't it? Because this is Jesus's last orders to the church. This is his final statement to his followers. This is the moment where he is giving us our mission for the New Testament age. And in Acts chapter one and verse number eight, Jesus said, but you will receive power when the Holy Spirit comes upon you and you will be my witnesses telling people about me everywhere in Jerusalem, throughout Judea and Samaria and to the ends of the earth. I love that first phrase and it says this, but you will receive power power. Church, can I tell you that the task that we have as the church today to tell people who Christ is, to tell people this life-changing message that Jesus Christ is indeed the Messiah, the Son of the living God, this task is not just in our own ability and power, but this is the beautiful thing. God says you will receive divine power. You will receive inspiration from heaven. You will receive the power of God to help us carry out this message. And can I tell you, in our mission work now for, for almost 20 years, my wife and I, we have seen the power of God in so many incredible ways. Tom told you, uh, uh, and by the way, Pastor Tom is, is also a, a strong leader in our mission organization, New Hope Initiative. He's one of our board members and, and part of our executive team. And we're so thankful for him and, and all that he does. And he told you a little bit about this work in a slum in Nairobi, Kenya called Kibera. Some of you, you guys have taken a trip there previously. Some of you have been uh, in this community. And we have a little video that tells the story of something that happened this year and yet the incredible power of God to work despite the challenges that are around us. Look, if you would. In January, sadly, we witnessed a crushing defeat at our new hope, Cabrera Academy, when bulldozers came through our community and tore down one of our school buildings that housed our students. We couldn't understand why this could happen and why the poor students of 
the bearer will make it to suffer once again. But God has transformed this tragedy into a great and powerful miracle, a testimony to the power of God to care for people around the world. In response to this need, our donors rose up with incredible generosity and we were able to build this magnificent new building in the heart of Cabrera. This building far surpasses anything that we lost and is the nicest building in the entire slum of Cabrera. We are so thankful to the goodness of God, to the leadership and the hard workers of, of the team, and we are so thankful that you can witness the amazing things that God has done at New Hope Academy. Before the new beauty came in our previous building, the classes were very small, students were congested. It was very difficult for the teacher to go inside the class and mark the, the books. The buildings were made of iron sheets, and during hot weather, it was very difficult for the students to concentrate because the place was very hot. Also, during rain season, it, the, the, the iron sheets were too cold. You could find that the environment was not conducive. Whether it is hot or cold, it was not conducive for the students. Since the new beauty came in, as you can see, the space is spacious. The teacher can move freely in the class on behalf of the students, teachers, parents, and Kibera community. would like to thank all the well-wishers who came in to change the face of Kibera through New Hope Initiative. Thank you guys. Thank you guys for work well done. May God bless you. You know, the... And as we're talking about the stories of Cape Cod Church, you guys had a significant part in the construction of that new building. And this is the amazing thing. When they tore down those buildings and, and I was standing on the steps watching those bulldozers run that day, I had no idea what was going to happen. I had no idea how we would recover. I had no idea what God was going to do to show himself powerful and to show the people in this downtrodden community called Cabrera that he loves and cares for them. And yet in a period of five months, God just raised up donors. God raised up money. God raised up a construction team. And all of a sudden, we had a building that was infinitely better than anything we had before. And it was amazing testimony to the power of God. And folks, can I thank you for your help in that effort? And can I also tell you that our mandate to take the gospel to the world is not achieved in our own power and ability, but thankful that we have divine power and the, the strength of God to help us accomplish these goals. The, the, the verse goes on in 1.8. It says, it talks about the power that we receive. And then in the second part of it says, and you will be witnesses telling people about me everywhere in Jerusalem, throughout Judea and Samaria and to the ends of the earth. The message that God has given us is to be witnesses to what? To the transformative power of Christ that we talked about in Mark chapter eight. That's the story we tell, the power of God to change people's lives. And that's why the stories that you guys have been sharing as a church are so wonderful because you hear of what God can do in people's lives and what God can do through our generosity. I have a, a picture of a couple of brothers that, that I'd like you to see. Uh, one of them is uh, Maxwell's on your left, Eddie's on your right. They're two brothers that grew up in our ministry there in that slum of Cabrera. They were both, their, their father passed away when they were very young. They were raised by a single mother in the slum and, and 
you guys have seen the, the video of the, of the slum as a whole, but one of the things I have a hard time wrapping my head around is that these two young men, Eddie's 29, Maxwell's 25, these two young men lived every single day of their life in a one-room mud hut in that slum. And it's hard for us to comprehend that, isn't it? I mean, because Eddie and Maxwell are both very high academic achievers. They have been incredible students. They have been committed to, to, to their family and committed to God. And they have grown in their lives. And it's hard for me to imagine what it would be like to spend every one of my 29 years in this mud hut. But folks, can I tell you, the power of God, the transformative power of God to change lives is incredible. And these two young men, uh, Eddie, the one on the right, uh, you saw just a moment ago, Eddie just finished up this year a master's degree in, um, in mathematics. All right, just a, a brilliant young man. He's going to teach at university level. He wants to help plant a church in, in Cabrera. I mean, an incredible young man. And Maxwell, that you saw in the suit and tie, uh, Maxwell just got a job at one of the, with one of the largest international banks in Kenya. A story to the fact that, listen, God changes lives. And that is the transformative power of the gospel and why we take the message of Christ. Not just so that people can be saved, which is the, the foundational reason, all right, and have a home in heaven and have forgiveness of sin. But folks, the gospel changes everything about people's lives. And the amazing stories of what Cape Cod Church is doing around the world is multiplied in the lives of young men like Eddie and Maxwell. I want to share one other verse with you this morning, though, as I close it. And this is the verse I want to share, James 1, 27. All right? And the reason I want to share this is, is because, you know, we see this mandate of the gospel. And it's something that is incredibly serious for us as a 21st century church, isn't it? I mean, we have been given the message of the saving power of Christ in people's lives. But, folks, can I tell you that it's not a message. The gospel is not a club that we beat people with. All right? But the message of Christ is a message of love that we share with others. And it's a powerful story of the generosity of your church during this mission month and throughout the whole year. It's the powerful story of the mission team that went and medically ministered to people and ministered in a local school. And it's the continuing story of sharing the love of Christ, which will change hearts and lives. And it's a beautiful thing to see. As you share the love of Christ, it becomes so much easier to share the message of Christ. You see some kids from uh, the ministry there in Cabrera. And, and one of the beautiful things in, is we're a Christian school, but it's, you know, we're open to anyone that wants to come. And we have a lot of, of uh, Muslim students that come to our school because we're so good academically. And it's beautiful to be able to share the love of Christ. Sometimes with words, sometimes just with the action of loving and caring for another person. Tom ta told you guys about it, and I have, I think, a picture or two from some medical clinics that we've done over the past couple of months. Your church did the last one. There was one the month before, another mobile clinic, where we are literally having hundreds and hundreds of gospel conversations. We're seeing upwards of a thousand patients medically, and we're having scores of people come to faith in Christ not because we have tried to beat them into submission with the gospel, but because we have beautifully and powerfully shared the love of Christ with them. 
And that's what it means to live fully. That's what it means to give generously. That's what it means to have a mission-hearted church and a mission-hearted congregation. I want to close, folks, with this final thought this morning. It's beautiful to talk about what the gospel means. It's incredible to see the power that God gives us to be his witnesses. It's beautiful to see the stories of the transformative power of Christ in people's lives. But can I go back to the passage we began with? And the question that Jesus asked in Mark chapter 8 and verse number 29, Jesus asked his disciples, who do you say I am? And folks, can I tell you, before we begin a mission, we have to answer this question in our own hearts. This is our final exam. This is the only question at the end of our lives that will even matter. It won't matter what your education level was. It won't matter what job you had. It won't matter the amount of money you had. It doesn't matter how your parents might ask this, answer this question or your pastor or some friend. But folks, this comes down to the definitive question of eternity. Who do you say Jesus is? And that's the message that you have to answer. That's the message that Cape Cod needs to hear and answer. And that's the message that Cape Cod Church takes around the world. Who do you say Jesus is? Let's pray. Dear God, we thank you for your word. We're thankful for the transformative power of the gospel of Christ. We're thankful for Cape Cod Church and their generosity. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. 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 Get right up here. Thank you, Sandy. He, uh, he preaches pretty good for a missionary. Um, one thing I forgot to mention in his introduction, in his spare time, he's a full-time senior pastor at a church down in Houston. So thank you so much for uh, sharing your time with us today, Sandy. Um, as Sandy said, we, we, uh, we were grateful to be able to participate in the building of the uh, Cabrera building. And uh, kind of coming out of our trip, we have another project to announce. I'm not sure if we've announced this to you yet or not. Um, but one of the things that they, uh, they need for these mobile medical clinics where they take uh, medical care to folks who don't have, them, have it around uh, Tanzania is an x-ray machine. Um, there's, there's no portable x-ray machines. You can imagine that's a pretty big deal to take an x-ray machine out to a place like Mosquito River and uh, set it up and use it. Um, uh, so we have committed as a church, uh, as one of our 2024 projects, to provide a portable x-ray machine for the uh, ministry of Dr. Biemba and the Olorian Clinic. So that's you. Well done. Before they go, I uh, certainly want to pray for Sandy and Karen. Again, I believe Karen is out uh, in the lobby uh, preparing to, uh, to sell you her wares. A uh, <laughs> little, little quick thing about the Biashara sales. Uh, these are ladies who in, in the Cabrera slum who manufacture jewelry and other goods for sale so that they can support their families. And Karen and Sandy uh, uh, help them with that by uh, selling them around, uh, around churches as they go. So, But let's, uh, let's pray uh, before we go for uh, Sandy and Karen and then uh, Ben be out with some announcements. Father, thank you uh, so much um, that you uh, sparked a vision um, in, in this couple, Sandy and Karen Baird's uh, eyes and hearts. Um, when they first saw the children of Cabrera, they saw a ministry because they knew that uh, you loved those children and those families uh, in an incredible way. Um, we thank you for the vision that you've given them that has now grown to uh, everything that New Hope Initiative is doing. 
and the work that you're doing through uh, that organization around the world. Uh, lift them up as they continue to minister, and we thank you for their gifts, we thank you for their talents, and we thank you especially that they have committed those to your kingdom. We thank you in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen.